Welcome to another episode of Million Dollar Stories. You know, whenever I first put this together, I said I needed to have one guy, especially early on in the podcast episodes, uh, simply because he is the reason why I even launched my first podcast, which was called The Inner Circle. Still out there. I'm just not as devoted to it as I am Million Dollar Stories. And the reason why that came up was this guy, Bradley Roth, invited me on his podcast and I was his first guest and it was wild while we were having a conversation. He asked me a question. Why don't you have a podcast? And it was for the very first time. I'm like, shit, you're right, man. Why don't I? (laughs) And it was just that easy. I put a podcast in motion and it really did change my ability to articulate my solutions, Mm -hmm. my beliefs in, uh, in a in a much more professional manner. So the power of a podcast is absolutely real, and I thank this guy. His name is Bradley Roth. He runs the Not Most People podcast and events, which he has an event coming up. You guys got to stay tuned for this because he in- interviews some of the biggest names on the planet uh, right there in Arizona. I wish for the most part I lived in Arizona just because of the network that's there. Anyways, Bradley, thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This is a uh kind of cool to be on the other side of it. And I know when I first had you on, it was funny how it worked. Like I just kind of reached out. I was like, you know, this guy seems like he has a lot to say. Face off, just kind of following you on social media, even though we'd never met. And I was like, Hey, you want to come on? You're like, sure. Why not? And, uh, yeah, you came on first guest and I think we just kind of hit it off right off the bat. And I was like, man, you, you know, you're, I'm more monotone probably than the average person. And you're like on the opposite end of the spectrum. You had a lot of enthusiasm and uh, that kind of thing. So I was like, man, you got to get on it. And so now it's cool to to see you here on, on the other side. Well, your, your group is taking off. I see the activity. I know you're part of the inner circle. Uh, so you were there right mm-hmm. in the beginning. And uh, I, I owe you uh, for trusting in me to, to say, you know what? This guy's my great, he's a great first guest. The first guest really does matter. So <laughs> I thank you for that. Anyways, not most people. I love the mm-hmm. phrase. I love the, the group. What is it all about? What was the genesis behind this that you put together? Yeah. So I've tried to condense this story because it's, it's not like a simple direct one, really. I grew up uh, kind of, I wasn't a rebel, but I always kind of questioned things. I'm a very logic-driven person. So anytime there was a rule or something that I was told that didn't make sense, I would always kind of be like, you know, why is that? And if the answer was because we say so or that sort of thing, I was like, well, that's that's not good enough. That doesn't make sense. And I feel like I got a lot of those answers growing up, whether it was from my parents who were you know, fairly religious. And I felt like I always kind of had more rules than some of my friends that I had to follow. And then going to, you know, private school where again, kind of the same thing through high school. And so again, I wasn't like outwardly rebellious. I wasn't the loud person or anything like that, but in my head, I was always kind of questioning. I think at that point it was probably subconscious. And then went to college, had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew I didn't want to sit in a cubicle and wear a tie kind of like you, I think. And <laughs> yeah. I had like entrepreneurship, anything for myself wasn't even on my radar. Like growing up, I did not know a single entrepreneur uh, that was not in my world. I didn't know the word entrepreneur until I was 21, 22 at all. Uh, I remember senior year of college, one of my roommates was talked about his dad's bar. And I was like, what do you mean your dad's bar? And he's like, it's my dad's bar. And I was like, I didn't know that like people own businesses. I thought that they were just like these entities. Like that's how far, like just kind of 
<laughs> people say like, oh, I was doing the lemonade stands. I was a born entrepreneur. I was like the opposite of that. <laughs> so I, I, I got into the game really late. I got like growing up, I was an athlete. Uh, that was kind of my whole identity, my whole skill set. And I went into exercise science in college because I was like, well, I like to work out and I don't know what else I want to do. So did that, got into CrossFit, worked at a CrossFit gym post-college. And I was like, this, you know, my end goal, I'm going to own a gym and this is going to be my career and everything. And I loved it. But the gym that I was at was a smaller gym, which typically they have very high turnover. But when I left after five years, I was still like the newest person on staff, which is unheard of. And so there was never that opportunity for me to take it from like very part-time to a full-time thing in that setting. And so it was a blessing because it forced me to start to look other options. So I said, okay, what can I do that's flexible, that it's kind of like on me and I'm not just punching a clock and there's no incentive to work hard and that sort of thing. So I got into real estate. I got my realtor's license. Definitely didn't pan out the way I had envisioned it. And I, you know, I got a lot of false promises going into it. And I still think real estate's a great vehicle. Being a realtor just wasn't for me. I realized pretty soon after that that I wanted to be able to travel a lot and move different places. And as a realtor, that's not what you do. You kind of have your home base and build that. So after a few years, uh, I got out of that, but that really forced me to like I got into that and I realized, oh crap, I don't know anything about sales. I don't know anything about marketing, building relationships, networking, time management, you name it. Like I was just way in over my head. And so I had to start to kind of like develop these skills. And that led to me starting to read books about business, marketing, psychology, that kind of stuff. And so that was kind of like what really kicked that off. I also dabbled in network marketing too at the time, uh, which again, kind of translated into that world. And as I got further into that, I decided, you know what, I'm going to jump off and do my own thing. So I started, I took Ty Lopez's course. I did a uh, social media marketing agency, like everyone and their mother at the time. <laughs> Here, in my, like Here <laughs> yeah, in my garage. Here in my garage. There you go. Five years ago, everyone's like, you know, I'm a, I'm a business owner. I took this course. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. I know all these people from the gym and I'm going to have all these clients and blah, blah, blah. And I told, you know, my now wife, like, oh, I'm going to be like, triple my income in the next two months. And of course, none of that happened. Uh, you know, nobody trusted me. Well, a, a couple, I got a couple of clients and stuff, but nothing like I expected. You know what I mean? And I just, I just wasn't there yet. And again, this, this pushed me further and further into personal development. Like, so I had to, I realized like all these things I had to learn. And so the more I started to delve into these things and learn from quote unquote, successful people and read books, I was like, man, everything I'm being told is like totally different or the opposite of what I've been told my whole life by my friends, my parents, by society in general, the school system. And so I think it was like four years ago, it just came to me because again, I'm a, I said, I'm a logic driven person. So one day I was reading this book called Unscripted by MJ DeMarco, which I highly recommend. It's like the matrix in a book. Wow, uh, yeah. And I just said to myself, like most people aren't very healthy. Most people aren't very wealthy and most people aren't very happy. So why would I want to think, act and live like most people? And so I was like, huh, not most people. I was like, that's kind of interesting. And I sat with it. I didn't, I wanted to do something with it. I didn't know what my greatest fear of my whole life was any form of public speaking. If I had to get up in front of the class, I would not sleep for weeks leading up to it. And then when Same I did, here. I would shake, shake. and sweat. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it was bad and people felt bad for me and all that kind of stuff. So 
Uh, anyways, I sat on the idea for a while. Well, actually I started an Instagram account because I had done Instagram and I was like, you know what? I could do something. I can kind of hide behind the the keyboard and the profile or whatever. And I did that, but there was no depth to it. I realized Instagram is for people with five second time, uh, attention spans and not what I wanted. And so again, I kind of just shelved it for a while. Then I joined the group, the RTA syndicate a couple of years later, which I think is kind of how we got connected. And I got in there and everyone was doing podcasts. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I thought just celebrities and mega influencers had podcasts. And so I got invited on one. The first one was like a total nightmare. It was uh, <laughs> like it was only like 20 minutes. It was about marketing, which is what I was doing at the time, which I wasn't really that passionate about. And it was only, like I said, 20-minute episode. I closed it. I was like, yikes, that was that was rough. And then I got invited on one more. I said, all right, I'll give this one more shot. And this one was more about the story mindset, entrepreneurship, that kind of thing. Hour plus later, we're still rolling, having a great time. This was November of 2020. I remember closing a laptop and I said, you know what? Not most people is going to be a podcast. Like that's going to be, wow. you know, where it lives. And so I like several months, but I launched in March of 2021. And I was like, this is just a side hustle, not even a side hustle, like a passion project, just something I, I want to do. I'll spend a few hours a week on it, whatever. That did not happen. I ended up spending tons of time on it. And it just ended up giving me so much energy and made me realize how much of an energy suck the marketing stuff was that I was kind of like one foot in, one foot out, like hanging on to. And the reason I didn't quit that sooner was just because I didn't want to be seen as a quote unquote failure, right? For oh, like Bradley's first business failed kind of thing. So about months in though, I found myself spending all of my time on the podcast and stuff related to not most people. And I had gotten so much more positive feedback in that in the first like two weeks than I had in two years with the marketing business. And it's funny because the marketing business never really worked for me as a business for other people, but it translated really well into the podcasting world. And because I'd had this concept for a few years, I was very clear on who it was for, my message, my branding was pretty on point from day one, that kind of stuff. So six months in, I said, you know what? I'm going to go all, all in on this. I don't know really how I'm going to make money, uh, but I'm going to figure it out. And so the first thing I ended up doing was helping other people start podcasts because a lot of people started having questions. I like to teach and I've always been good at kind of breaking complex topics down into like really simple steps. And so I created an online course. People bought the course. They didn't go through the course, right? Just like most online courses. And so I said, <laughs> they bought it, but gonna... didn't go through it. How? Hard yeah. So I'm like, I mean, there, okay, there's a little money in my pocket, but like, I want to get people results. So the next thing I did was I created like an accelerator, which was like, you know, more live calls, accountability, that kind of thing. Small group, higher ticket. Uh, so did that once through that went fairly well. I'm probably going to start that up again. But then I said, okay, like, I got to build something real here. And so I started like people who were kind of like people who are like, I'm not most people. It's always hard to find other people who are not most people, right? Other entrepreneurs, other people who think for themselves and it can be lonely. So I said, you know what? I like bringing people together. I'm going to create a community. Last April, I started my own community called the Not Most People Alliance. That was the first thing that kind of provided a little bit of like sustainability income wise and that sort of thing. And so started that and then somehow I still don't know how ended up doing a couple of live events last year that was something that like I never in my wildest it's awesome would have ever thought I would be doing um but it was kind of like live podcasting with a mix of networking and I got the next one coming up in a couple of weeks and then I got 
something bigger beyond that plan, but I can't really say too much about that just yet, but it's just been a wild ride and not something I ever could have predicted. So that's, that's my long-winded answer. That's amazing. You have, you've had Carlos Reyes and uh, I mean, the name that's on the list that's for this upcoming one, Cody Sperber, but some other big Mm -hmm. names, right? So Mm -hmm. that to me is probably the greatest part is that you are in close vicinity to serious powerhouses, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was one thing when I started the podcast, I said, man, like, I'm not really looking to monetize this thing right away. Um, I think that's going to kind of take me in the wrong direction, but I'm like, it'll be really cool for me to have an excuse to connect with some really high level people. So I've met some in person, obviously Carlos, Cody coming up, but also just like I'm 90 episodes in now and probably 75 of those are guest episodes. And so I've been able to like connect and have conversations with like super high level people that Tony Watley. Tony Watley. Yeah. Like very early on Emily Frisella. Um, you know, I, I could, you know, list a bunch of people, but, uh, that I otherwise would not have. And so it's just been kind of a really cool thing. And, and it, one thing leads to another, right? Like I, I got, was able to get Carlos as the guest last time. And then I was trying to get Cody as the guest. I was reaching out to his assistant and that kind of thing crickets. And then I called Carlos Cause I've kind of nurtured that relationship. Right. And I was like, Hey, like, you know, do you know, do you have a personal connect with Cody? And he's like, yeah, 15 minutes later, he's like, Cody's booked, ready to go. And I'm like, that's the power of those relationships. Yep. hundred percent. Uh, you do something that, um, I don't see a lot of other people do, uh, travel as much as you do. Mm -hmm. You're always traveling. And whenever I went on this recent trip on a, on a cruise, you know, I love mm-hmm. being in Pennsylvania. I love just getting on my m- motorcycle, running the the lake. And, you know, you start to work constantly and I don't work because like, oh, I really, really have to, I, I like, I love it. Right. But every time mm-hmm. I'm doing that, I might be building a cage and maybe 10 years mm-hmm. from now, I want to do something else. And I'm now I'm kind of stuck in my own world. I didn't es- explore when I was at, at this age. So I'm kind of like feeling out new strategies then. I think it's very, very important to go on these trips to start to realize like what is possible being around mm-hmm. other people, but the freedom that you want maybe five, 10, 15 years from now and start building the life now that will get you there. So by traveling, have you realized like, wow, you know what? I need to build a business this way. I need to do specific things now so I don't get trapped. And I see a lot of people get trapped and there's no way out of it, especially if they're past a certain age. But what have you noticed from doing so much traveling? I think it's so important nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because I could go on for hours about that. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not a big talker even. So the reason I got into entrepreneurship was because I was like, oh, I can I can make money and not have to be in one place. I've got to do that. And so that that was literally like the reason. It wasn't really to make a lot of money. It wasn't to like solve a problem necessarily. It was because I was like, I can... I can live and travel at the same time. And it's funny because growing up, like I like to go places, but in terms of international travel, I had no interest in it until like in my twenties, like my biggest regret is I could have, I remember like in college, a bunch of my friends were studying abroad, right? Like go, they go away for a semester. I'm like, man, like college is a blast. Like, why would you want to go somewhere else right now? Like, this is where it's at. (laughs) And I was like, people are crazy. And then my sisters both did it after me. Like I have three little sisters, two of them studied abroad and and I, I didn't get it until I met Nancy, my wife, and I think it was back 2017. We went on like three or four trips in the span of like, we had, it was like one a month for like four months. Like the first one was to the Bahamas, which was 
when I got my first passport at like 23, 24 and we stayed on, I mean, that was, that was nuts. We stayed on a hundred foot yacht in Atlantis. Like that, it was just kind of a dream, dream trip. But, and so like, that's obviously like you do that, you're going to want to do more of that, you know? So, of course. uh, we got lucky with that, that we went on a few other trips. And then it was just like, after that, we did an RV trip out West with my family, where we went from like, you know, Yellowstone down to the Grand Canyon and all that. And we had like seven of us in this tiny little camper or whatever. So it was that year that really like, I was like, man, like, this is all I want to do. Like, I want to go see new places, do new things. And then within like, I think it was that year, the following year is when I started to get into kind of the digital marketing. Cause I was like, this is, I could do this anywhere. And that sort of thing. And then my, you know, Nancy's a nurse. And so she was like, we're, let's do the travel nurse thing. So it was just kind of like, all right, we're doing it. And, um, I think it was 2018. So 20, man, it's already, yeah, time's going fast, but it was 2018. And we decided we're gonna do the travel nurse thing. And so our first assignment was in South Carolina. You know, we're from the Northeast, New Jersey, Connecticut. We went to South Carolina for three months and we're like, man, the South, like is real nice. We love it here. And then she got a contract, the Mayo Clinic out in Phoenix and we'd never been out there, but we're like, it looks like uh, this place is pretty nice, like in January, February compared to a lot of other places. So we packed up everything we had and we cross country road tripped it, stopped along the way, made a trip out of it. And then we ended up out there and our plan was to stay for three months and we were still there four years later, you know? So we just kind of fell in love with it. Um, and, you know, you see in different parts of the country, like we're, we're so lucky in the U.S., to have, it, it's almost like Europe in a sense, right? Like Europe is so densely packed. I don't know if you've ever been over there, but oh yeah, it's like you travel just like a little bit and you're in a totally different world, right? Like everything is like sectioned kind of, and the States are like that almost in a sense where like, you know, the Northeast and the Southwest are like two different worlds. Mm -hmm. And so as an American, like you may not have been to a lot of countries, like everyone, everyone I know from Europe has been all over the place, right? They're like Australia, Australians travel everywhere. Canadians travel everywhere, but it's so easy US, to travel. That's why, right? Yeah. You take one of yeah. those trains, you can go Switzerland, uh, Barcelona. Yeah. I mean, it's just anywhere. Yeah, yeah. There's like what 40 countries in Europe that are all like within three hours of each other or something like that. So, uh, so, so people outside of the U S I think tend to be more well-traveled, but people inside the U S like you could travel endlessly your entire life and not see it all. You know what I mean? So anyways, uh, I knew from an early, early point that I wasn't going to take any sort of opportunity or do anything that was going to limit me location wise. And so I've never taken like a physical job. Like if I ever did look for a job, it had to be remote. You know, and even like doing the events here, I feel like, oh, like I'm kind of like getting sucked into like this area, like building up a base here. And so I'm like very conscious of that, you know, and right now we're living half, half the time in New Jersey, half the time in Arizona. We don't really have like a wow. home base. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. Like we, so last uh, fall we did our kind of late honeymoon. We traveled Europe for two months, backpacking it, Saw that. started in Italy, went down the Balkans. It was, it was amazing. And, uh, to do that, we moved all of our stuff out of our apartment that we had, put it in a storage unit. And uh, and so we gave up our place. And then Nancy's kind of transitioned out of nursing. So we're we're all over the place right now. We're staying at the in-laws of New Jersey. I'm out here now for three weeks setting up this event. And so it's kind of like, it's also really interesting the skills that travel teaches you. Like it teaches you flexibility, adaptability. Right. Like you're in Europe, you get lost, you don't speak the language, whatever. Like you got to figure it out. Like you're problem solving, which 
as an entrepreneur is probably your number one skill, um, gets honed, right? You, you do better under pressure, under stress, things that we were there for seven weeks. And I remember things happened to us in like later on in the trip that I looked back and I said, wow, like if this had happened three weeks ago, like when we had just started, like it would have totally thrown us off, but now it's just another Wednesday. You know what I mean? And so it teaches you things that, and, and there's a big difference between travel, like true travel and vacation, right? People in the U S they hear travel and they're like, Oh, I'm going to go sit on a beach for a week in the Bahamas. And I'm like, well, technically you traveled there, but you're not like, you're not really getting that like dynamic experience, right? You're not being put into any kind of problem solving situations. You're not having to meet new people. And so I think there's something to be said for traveling versus vacationing, which there's a very big difference. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be expensive. Like we went to Europe, which Europe is outside the US, one of the more expensive areas in the world. And we were still able to travel full-time for less than our normal expenses in Arizona. You know what I mean? And so it's like, obviously people have kids, they have mortgages, things to think about, but it is more within reach than you think if you really want to do it. Well, you start to build the business the right way. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and there's a great book out there. And if you guys are listening, Built to Sell. Uh, have you read that book at all? Right? Have you read it? I have. Yes. Yeah. yeah so- about the marketing agency, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. So yeah, it's all about yep. becoming very niche, but starting to build it in a way that's not reliant on you as the as person. And it's mm-hmm. like even if you don't want to sell your business, just by building it the right way, it makes it more valuable, and it builds it in a way that is it makes it scalable, right? And it makes it a true um, asset uh, now and forever. Yep. So uh, whenever I start to go on these trips, it, it's like it shines a light automatically on what needs fixed in my life. And it could mm. be like, oh, this part of the process, imagine if I don't have any reception for nine hours. That kind yeah. of brings down the company just a 10th, <laughs> right? Or a 5% yeah. decrease. It's a magnifier. I, I can't allow that, right? Like right now, mm-hmm. if, there's a, if there's a problem, I can jump on my computer and fix it in a second. But what mm-hmm. if I just go somewhere where there's no internet for three days and that happens? It might you know, blow a wheel on the company that is yeah. just slow. It slows it down just a little bit. It's not going to stop it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you start to think, okay, how can I fix that going forward? And I believe traveling, if you guys are out there and you're like, oh, I don't like to travel, just force yourself to start looking at places to just visit. It will shine a light on your business more than anything else. I think it will for sure. And I mean, luckily Wi-Fi is becoming easier and easier to find all over the world. Like even we were going through some pretty kind of remote parts of Eastern Europe and we were never too long without Wi-Fi. And, you know, it's funny, like I have the Alliance and we have like monthly calls, kind of like the inner circle. And it was like 1 a.m. was when the calls were. So I was like up wherever we were at 1 a.m. on Zoom. And I'm like, you couldn't have done this like five years ago, you know? And so now more than ever, we have the ability to do that, which is, which is pretty cool. Yeah, you got to embrace so, technology and start building your mm-hmm. building your life around that technology to a certain extent. Because if, if there's something there and you're not using it, your competitors will, and they're going to destroy you with it because it's going to make them look yeah. better. Uh, yeah. What have you learned from doing these events and working with these people? Uh, is there any mm-hmm. standout story or lesson that you've taken from either a podcast or one of your live events? Man, that's tough. Uh, I think the biggest thing that I've learned, kind of for me personally is in having all of these amazing people on, like I have this podcast and these events and stuff, and I'm only doing like 10% of the talking, you know, but it's still kind of all 
comes back to me in a sense. Like when people look at it, they're like, oh, it's Bradley's thing. But it's one of those things that I was like, I want to do something big and I want to provide a lot of value, even though by most metrics, like I'm not super successful in business just yet. You know what I mean? I'm on my way, but like I think a lot of people don't realize that they don't have to like make millions before they can start to like, like you can leverage those relationships. It comes back to what we said before, right? Like I'm having these super successful people on that, you know, listen to them, not me. I'm just, I'm just drawing it out of them. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's kind of my skill set. I've always been a good listener, good question asker. And so if I tried to go on and become like an Andy Frisella, it just wouldn't work. And so playing to your strengths, learning your strengths, learning what you want. Um, there's a lot of ways to do what you want to do that you just might not be thinking about, or you might be missing, you know, like for me, Mr. Stage Fright, like my first event, I was the first time I ever spoke on a stage. You know, and I just like I was like, you know what, I, like I need to do this, and so I just kind of leveraged myself and threw myself into the fire, and it went okay. Our mic wasn't really working, and then the second event, the mic went out, and so I had to just like yell to the crowd, which, you know, makes it that much worse when you're already kind of nervous and that sort of thing. So, it's just kind of like taking the step and figuring it out on the way, which uh, you know we've heard it a million times in entrepreneurship, but like you will adapt fast, way faster than you think. And so my speed of adaptability, like over the last several years, it just continues to speed up and speed up. And I'm able to move faster and faster and take bigger and bigger jumps. Um, and it's just one of those skills that kind of, you're not limited physically necessarily. And so like mentally, there's there's no real limit to how fast you can progress. Yeah. You said something there. It's yeah. pretty, pretty powerful. And I think there's an equation out there. I've heard it from somebody else. When you host a podcast, you should speak 20% of the time and the guest should speak 80% of the time. And if you can apply that to life, if you just get somebody else to tell you their problems and speak 80% of the time and you listen or you talk 20% of the time, you're going to be more interesting to them because you are curious and you're the one that's um, you know drawing it out of them. So great equation. Yeah. Glad you brought that up. But what you also said there is uh, you know, you know, you needed to do it, but you didn't want to. And it's a Carl mm-hmm. Jung philosophy. Uh, that to which you want most is often where you least want to look. And it's almost mm-hmm. like a, it's a good one. You no, know you need to do it. It's probably scary, right? There's some yeah. type of dragon that's in front of the gold or the princess, and you know, you need to go after it. And if you run now, yep. you'll be running for the rest of your life. And it only gets bigger, never gets smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like I, like I but, said, for sorry to interrupt, but for several years, I didn't do anything with it. Right. I was scared, like staying in that comfort zone. And like, if I had jumped a little bit earlier, man, who knows where things could have been, you know? (laughs) So it's just, yeah, it's one of those things we've heard like over and over and over. And it sounds cliche at a certain point, but there's a lot of truth to it. You just got married recently. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm always curious whenever an entrepreneur gets married, what's it like? Because, you know, we're all in on our business. We have so much going on. Our minds are just excited about opportunities and relationships and, you know, capitalizing on what's going on in the economy and the marketplace. So how has it changed you? What's it been like, man? Man, you just opened up like a whole nother rabbit hole, right? Like tra- travel and relationships are like the two things I could I could go on about forever. And I have gone about forever in the past, but uh, man, where to start? Like, so for me, again, I had like kind of just discovered entrepreneurship uh, when I met Nancy. So man, it, it'll be like eight years in March or April, which is crazy. But she grew up, her dad owned 
his own business. She grew up in like a wealthy part of New Jersey. She knew a ton of big business owners. And so she was like really used to that mindset. And so it helped like kind of open my eyes, you know? And so, cause she introduced me to her friends and like I said, my parents, my parents, friends, none of them own their own business. So, uh, so she like kind of understood that world almost more than me, but she was like, had the steady nursing job. And so I've been kind of always the risk taker, the one trying to figure it out. She's had the nursing job that she's hated mostly and been trying to get out of, but, uh, but it's always been kind of a weird dynamic, especially we're both the oldest of four. We both have three little sisters wow. and as with us both being kind of the oldest child, we're both very strong-willed, hard-headed. We both want to be the leader. And so that's something that took a lot of learning is, you know, how do we balance that? You know, cause she's not one to kind of sit back and just like, you know, she lets me make the decisions, but it's not like as easy as probably the average person, you know, and, and I hadn't like stepped into that kind of leadership role, um, early on. And so we like, we clashed heads a lot. Like she had, she felt like she had to take on a lot of the decisions and leadership and financial stuff. Cause she was the one making the steady income. And so there's just been, there's been all kinds of dynamics, but, uh, yeah, like that's something that we actually, we want to do something special with in terms of the kind of the education. Cause there's not a lot of people out there who are talking about that because when you have one or two people who are kind of like, I don't know if high performers, the world word, but someone who is entrepreneurial and who is very driven and kind of like to do that, you kind of naturally have to be in like a masculine focused energy. That's really hard to balance, right? Especially, you know, not to say that there's anything wrong with like career minded women, but like, if you're, if you're going to have that, then you, as the guy, like you got to really be solid in kind of your masculine presence, right. To balance that out. Yeah. And because, you know, they might have to be in that energy at work to get things done, but to balance themselves out, they need to be able to come home and be able to chill out. And you're the guy, you know, when you're together. So it's also another thing too, where if one person is an entrepreneur and the other person is kind of like a, maybe more of like a nine to fiver, they're not going to understand each other all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Communication like, what are you, crazy. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing? Why can't you shut it off? Like, why are you still answering emails or calls or whatever? And it's like, well, like once you check out, you check out. But like, you know, as a business owner, there's obviously ways to, to optimize this. But when you're starting out, like it's you and you're, you're on the clock 24 seven, <laughs> right? And you're dealing with the kind of different stresses. You're taking risks. You're like, and they, another thing is that a lot of times they think because if you, if that you work at home, that you're not working, right. Or that you can just like chill out in the middle of the day, or you know what I mean? So there's a lot of community, like your communication has to be even better than like the average couple, let's say, right. Like you have to really talk those things through. And for our first like few years, we were just like on different wavelengths a lot of times. And we didn't have those communication skills to really like explain without like putting blame on the other person and that sort of thing. And then I think it was, yeah, maybe four or five years in, uh, I read this book called the way of the superior man by David Dida might've heard of it. And that really changed things because that really like the amount of light bulb moments I have between understanding masculine feminine, which most people like, it's not something we're taught, right? Like you didn't grow up like in school learning or your parents didn't show you or teach you and relationships are generally pretty private between people. So you, all you get is examples 
you don't get necessarily get taught, right? And your example, there's a 50% chance that your example growing up, your parents are divorced or have a terrible relation, you know, probably higher than 50%. Like very few people have solid role models that they kind of learn on, learn from and that sort of thing. And um, and so it's it's tricky and there's a lot of trial and error, but that book and understanding the masculine feminine, like and the amount of light bulbs that went off, the amount of times I've recommended that book. And then because I realized like, man, I'm not, I'm not being in my masculine. And so it's forcing her to take on that role, which is putting her all out of whack because that's not her natural set point. Yeah. You know, and so it's this constant like dynamic balancing act, right? Like both people will take on masculine and feminine energies, but like the important thing is not to stay outside of your natural set point for too long. Right. And if you're you know, not stepping into your masculine and, you know, say, and, and it could be reversed too. You could have, there's lots of relationships out there where the woman is the masculine energy and the man is the feminine energy, right? It's not I've necessarily, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's not necessarily gender specific, even in right. Same sex relationships. There's usually one that's more masculine one that's more feminine and that sort of thing. So it's kind of a constant universal thing, but it's, it's kind of this, it's an unseen kind of dynamic, almost like nebulous thing to really figure it out and that sort of thing. So it's been a real, real learning experience, but doing that and then learning how to like, cause I used to always shut down in an argument. Right. And that's the last thing that they want from you is for you to like, kind of shut down or cower, like shut off. And they're like, what's wrong. It, once I learned to literally just like not do that, like things changed immediately. Right. Like we got an argument and I would just kind of like, you know, have that presence be like, not just emotionally solid, but physically solid and, and give the place for, you know, the feelings and whatever to, to come out like that alone, because they, what they want in your masculine is to feel safe and to feel, you know, solid and like, right. Cause they may be like all over the place, but they have you there as like the anchor, you know what I mean? So like, I'm a very kind of steady, emotionally person. Like you, you know me, like I don't, I don't get too high, too low. Right. Or at least, uh, not outwardly, but you know, she's like, like she can go from like super pumped to super pissed back to like, you know, normal, like in like that. And for me, it's (laughs) like, if I'm going to get angry, it takes like hours, but then it'll take me like hours to get back out of it. You know what I mean? And so it's like understanding these kinds of things. And it's, it's interesting there too, because like it, it, correlates to so many things. Like she can fall asleep and wake up like instantly me. It takes me like forever to fall asleep, forever to wake up. And so it kind of like your energy, your emotions, all that stuff kind of like has, and I'm going off on a tangent, but it's interesting how everything kind of like interconnects and that sort of thing. So. Well, what you're saying is that, uh, it it sounds like the, when you started to being in a relationship as an entrepreneur, you're on such a personal Mm -hmm. development journey as an entrepreneur, you become hyper aware of who you are, the self-awareness. Yes. And therefore, maybe you become a better communicator and most likely you pick up on other cues from your partner much faster. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things too, as entrepreneurs, we kind of have these big goals, visions, dreams, and we think other people see it or that we communicate it. And it's like, they're never going to see it the way you see it. But for them to even see it similar to you, you have to like really break it down and over communicate. And like, if you ever read the, read the four agreements, yeah, but yeah powerful book, but the, it's the one don't make assumptions. That is like the most powerful one. Like for, cause I, I told Nancy and, and most guys will agree with this is like your women, your woman like thinks that you can read her mind, 
but like, we can't, like, we have no idea, you know? And so I said, talk to me, like, explain things to me. Like I'm a five-year-old because chances are, if you're expecting me to just get it, like, I'm not going to. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so, and I said, although if you come at me charged up, like, that's not how I, that's not how I roll. Like, I'm going to like, that doesn't work for me. Cause I'm not going to, I'm not going to meet you up there. That's not going to help anyone. And so I'm like, if you can like come at me in a normal, logical, whatever level or try to, I can meet you there and we can get through things. And so we've both like learned a lot about the other person, a lot about ourselves. And so it's just one of those things where if you, if you stop growing as an entrepreneur, if you stop learning, if you stop progressing, like your business is going to die. Right. Right. The same exact thing is true in relationships. If you stop learning about yourselves, about each other, about how to communicate, about all these things, like you're screwed. Like it's not going to, and that's why most people, you know, don't last these days because it's, Leo, you know, why would that principle apply to everything else, right? Physically, if you stop working out, you stop eating right, you stop learning about like, you're going to go to crap, right? Same thing. Like the, the principles are universal, but we're not taught that. We're taught that oh, by Hollywood that love is, you know, infatuation and then happily ever after. And she leaves the asshole and goes with the nice guy. And like, it's all, it's all BS, you know, none of it's true. And we think that love is going to like love and attraction is just going to carry it forever. Right. But like you read the book, uh, what was that dopamine book? Um, um, molecule of more, right. A molecule of more my, yeah, I recommended yeah. that to you. Right. Didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. And right in the beginning, it talks about relationships, right? Like, cause there's that honeymoon phase and everyone loves the honeymoon phase and it's about six months and there's all kinds of dopamine that's being released to get you kind of hooked and like staying with this person long enough for you to build that deeper level. Right. And that sustains. And a lot of times if, if we don't, like, we think that that's supposed to last forever and it's not. You know, there's there's ways to kind of obviously keep things alive and keep that spark and all that that you hear about. But at the end of the day, like it's gonna change and that's not gonna carry a relationship past all of the, you know, miscommunications. If you have, you know, you're on different wavelengths, it's not gonna solve those things for you. So I think the number one thing to look for if you're like, okay, how do I make sure it is the right partner? Like shared values is the number one. Like you can have completely different interests. You can have completely different hobbies, different types of personalities. But if your values are aligned, then you're always going to have that to kind of connect you and to fall back on and work towards together. Yeah. Just like in a business core values. Yeah. I mean, I think that when Mm -hmm. 2020 hit, I guarantee the breakup rate which just went through the roof because core Mm -hmm. values were right in front of you. Do you believe in this or do you not believe in this? Right. And so right. some people couldn't last that. And uh, you're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. It doesn't matter what you're interested in. If you have the right core values, I mean, you can always fall back on that and that's how you can strengthen yeah. everything. If you're right? on the same page long-term. Yeah. Just like a tribe, I would think. Right. So our core mm-hmm. values, maybe you're in marketing, you're in sales, you're in the industry, you're in the medical world. But if you think like us, right, we're going to work together much easier. And so, yeah, maybe when yeah. it comes to relationships, you have to think of it almost like you're building a, a, a sustainable tribe and you have to be very clear about what you believe in first prior to attracting that right person. It's good. Right. So that's why you have to keep developing, not just together, but as an individual, right? Because if you don't know yourself, you're not going to be able to portray that. And uh, you find out like 10 years later that, oh crap, I didn't realize this about myself and now I want something different. You know what I mean? 
it's kind of like how I set out in the beginning. I said, I'm not going to build myself something that's going to keep me in one place where I can't travel. Mm-hmm. Right. And people get into something without thinking about it. And then 10 years later down the road, they're like, oh crap, this is what I want. But now it's really hard to pivot out of it. So, I mean, I just think of the girls that I dated. I mean, it had to be so hard for them, especially in the early days of entrepreneurship. I was so all over the place. I wasn't making any (laughs) sense. I was just so eager to start a business. Didn't know about myself, right? And you're not uh, making money yet. Yeah, You're not making the self-doubt is creeping in constantly. Just imagine what they struggle with. You're right though. Like you said, you need to be pretty solid with yourself, especially if you're going to take on the world as a business owner. As time Mm -hmm. goes on, the self-awareness goes up and you become a better communicator and uh, a better leader. But in the early days, very difficult. It's good. Yep. Um, Yep. You have an event coming up. I want to get to this here. Uh, Cody Sperber, I guess, is the main, main speaker. Is that right? Uh, So he's the guest. So yeah. So it's, it's not really a speaker event. It's it's a different format, right? So it's kind of bringing the podcast from behind like Zoom out to like something that people can experience live. So I actually had a friend here in Scottsdale who kind of was doing something similar a year or two ago, and that kind of started to get the wheels turning for me. And then I kind of turned it into my own thing. So it's just kind of networking for the first hour, hour and a half. It's like a 6 to 10 p.m. thing. It's an evening. So first hour, hour and a half networking. I provide dinner, open bar, all that stuff. And then I talk for just, you know, 10 minutes about not most people. Cause I think a lot of people kind of get not most people, but not like, not like I get it or like, I want them to get it. Right. It comes back to what we were talking about over communicate, right. Break it down. Yep. And so I'll speak for 10 or 15 minutes. I'll give the sponsors a couple of minutes and then we'll go into the podcast. And <laughs> the last two that I had, like, were the easiest podcasts of my life because the first one I had was this guy, Princeton Clark, who I think you might know, uh, through know. Tony's group. Um, he's been to 365 driven stuff and all that, but he, uh, he's like a powerful speaker. He's been doing it forever. And so I asked maybe like two questions within the whole hour. And like, he just, he just went and people were crying and people were like, you know, and we were over time and I'm like, do you guys want to keep going? And everyone's like, yeah, keep going. And, um, same thing with Carlos. Like Carlos, I asked, oh, you know, a, a startup question. Oh uh, yeah. If you've seen him live, he's super powerful and he brought it. And I, I mean, I, I was like, all right, we'll do like maybe just under an hour for the podcast. It was like an hour 20. Like there was just no stopping point. You know what I mean? And, uh, so we'll see Cody's Cody's an interesting, uh, character. I think this one will have a little more humor in it than maybe the last couple. And, uh, yeah, but it's exciting. And then, and then after the podcast, same thing, more time for people to hang out and network and that sort of thing. And last time we were there, we we're supposed to have the building till 10 and we were there till like 11 30, 12. So <laughs> yeah. when is it? It's March 2nd. And we're at Thursday, March 2nd in uh midtown Phoenix, midtown Phoenix. Can they so, buy tickets yeah. still? Or how does that work? Yeah. You can buy tickets up until the day of the event. Uh, I think they're, they're like 35 bucks and that includes open bar dinner, all kinds of stuff. So I try and just really pack in the value as much as I can. And and it's a really good time. I think we had about 75 people at the last one and shooting for a hundred this one. Man, I'm looking at the website. I guess it's on here. You do a podcast. It looks like nonstop. What's your schedule look like? (laughs) How many times are you releasing new episodes per month? Are you doing one one a week or is it more than that? Yeah, I'm on a weekly schedule. Eventually I'd like to be more than that, but right now. And then I kind of, I I did miss a couple of weeks when we were traveling and in Europe and stuff, but 
you know, it happens. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, that's another part of it. When you start to travel, you start to front load. You're like, okay, let me get a couple podcasts in beforehand. Yeah. So therefore it's automated whenever I'm leaving, you start to mm-hmm. plan and you start to own your schedule way more when you are gone. It, I it mean, forces you to be extremely efficient, you know, yeah. with your time, with what you bring with you. Like we just had our backpacks for two months and that was it. Right. It. So it. it's no amazing. With bags. It. I'm totally against checking bags. <laughs> Well, we checked our big backpacks. We had to, oh, but shit. <laughs> yeah, no, but, uh, but like, that's everything in there that you, you think you need. And then like, after a week, you're like, man, like, what is all my stuff back home? Like, I don't even remember. Like what? Like, I don't <laughs> what need, do I need it at all. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. So, um, yeah, it, it teaches you those sorts of things. Kind of like, you know, you don't need all this external stuff, you know? And I think, we get caught up in consumerism and creature comforts and that kind of stuff. And it's like, at the end of the day, you know, you need your basics and you know, you need the the thing about travel. That's so interesting is that it just, it always keeps you present. And that's, I think the biggest challenge for people these days is being present. Like we, we do it like when we're working out hard, cause it's like, all you can think about is finishing. Right. But those, those instances are few and far in between. We're always, as entrepreneurs, we're thinking out about the future constantly. Like I'm laying in bed. I'm thinking like, what I got to do tomorrow, next week, next month. And like when you're traveling and you're experiencing new places, like you're out of like so much, so many of us are just stuck in our routines and it never deviates and we get bored and we try and find things that keep us not bored. And most of the time, those things aren't really productive or healthy or helping us grow. And so you're putting yourself into a new place, new situation every day. It's like, man, you're like, you can't help but feel like pretty alive the whole time. It's great. Yeah. Not most people. It's just starting out with the live events. I can see it going very far. It sounds like there's something in the uh, the wood pile that might be coming. Ooh, I, I, I got a lot of stuff planned for. <laughs> I got the whole three year vision ready to go. So, guys, stay yeah. tuned for what he has in the works. His name is Bradley Roth. You can find him all over Instagram and Facebook. I think it's Instagram is your best way to communicate with you. Is that is that right? Is, yeah, is that's right? where I'm most active. Yeah, yeah. Instagram and Facebook, mm-hmm. and obviously he has the alliance that not most people. Alliance. Uh, I believe it's, do you have an enrollment? Can people join at any time? Uh, as of now? Yeah. Okay. So not most people.net slash Alliance for all the info. Check it out guys. And the mm-hmm. whole reason I have a podcast is because of this man. So thanks so much for being here, dude. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the group grow and uh, hopefully I can get to one of those events here pretty soon. Yeah, man, for sure. Thank you so much for having me on. This was uh, just as fun as I thought it'd be. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I know we had a good conversation whenever I was on yours and it's just supernatural. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we right. uh, we share a lot of uh, the, the the same views Shared on values. the economy yeah. uh, with the marketplace, what's going on in the world. We could probably do yeah. three, four hours just on that. So we'll have to save that for oh, next yeah. time. But remember, yep. guys, when you write a million dollar book, it will lead to a million dollar life. So live free and write on. And don't be most people. That's right. That's good. Yeah.